More bad news from the economy. It just keeps getting worse. Uh, do you ever wonder why we don't have a cure for cancer yet? Well, my guess it's studies like the ones we're going to talk about today are the reasons we're doing research on not-so-important things. A race hoax is caught in the act, so the media is not going to talk about it, and everything is racist. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Well, you might have noticed I've been gone for the last couple of days. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Uh, the reason is quite simple. Uh, Josie broke her foot. Yay. So we were at doctors. She did break a foot. I thought maybe it was sprained. Uh, she did it in the most physical way you can think of. She stepped in a hole while she was carrying her grandchild. I'm telling you, grandchildren are dangerous. But uh, yeah, she's okay. Uh, everything's going all right. She went to work today. So, I mean, the foot looks like it's about to fall off. And, of course, our healthcare system, it takes her two weeks before she can go see a specialist. And by the time she sees a specialist and gets a cast on her foot, uh, sure, her foot will probably have healed. So, we'll see. So, right now, let's get to some news. All right. So a lot of stuff happened. Again, I've been gone, so it's a lot of stuff has happened, and I'm kind of trying to catch up. So last week, the Republicans held a an anti-Semitism hearing on the House, and as a result, they had three professors, uh, three not professors, but presidents of the big colleges, Penn, MIT, and Harvard. Well, Liz McGill from Penn University, she's been fired, so not a shock. Of course, her big comment was, if you, do, if you, I'm sure you remember, but the big comment was that uh, screaming anti-Semitic genocidal remarks is not uh, something that they will condemn at Penn, Harvard, or MIT. Yeah, well, that didn't go well. I, they they really did work to spin this. They really worked hard to kind of spin this. They couldn't. They couldn't get out of it. So Liz McGill is gone. Now Claudine Gay of Harvard, uh, not only she's not gone. As a matter of fact, it sounds like she's got one hundred percent support. Doesn't sound like she's going anywhere. And this is after it's been reported that she plagiarized a bunch of her papers during her doctorate thesis. Very interesting. So why is this gal hanging around? Well, she's black. That's probably why. Uh, so we can see the double standard from Harvard University. In other news, Voldemort Zelensky was in Washington, D.C. yesterday begging for more money. Now, the kicker is the, the House and the Senate are actually dealing with this. They, they have a bill that comprises aid to Ukraine, of 60 million, 60 billion, excuse me, 60 billion, aid to Israel for 12 billion, aid to Taiwan, I have no idea how much that is, and then aid to the border security for, I think it was two to four billion, and the Democrats refuse to sign it, and the reason is because they don't want border aid, for, uh, for our border aid, they don't want to spend two billion or four billion for our border aid. Now, just to give you a little heads up, ten to 14,000 people are crossing a day. A day. 
Mind you, our border patrol is overwhelmed at 5,000 a day. And we're 10 to 14,000 a day. Apparently, we are releasing 6,000 people a day into the country. Okay, which is going to be a real thing. I mean, New York, and most of them want to go to the blue states. They want to go to New York. They want to go to Chicago. They want to go to Los Angeles. Not a shock there. Uh, so that's good. We'll get, there's a story coming out later today about that. So that whole thing is being done. Now, again, Zelensky comes, and of course he's wearing combat gear, like he's fighting the Russians personally. He's not. I, if I were president, the first thing I'd say is put on an effing suit. I don't know who the hell you think you are. You want money from us. We don't know where that money's going, by the way. There doesn't seem to be any exit strategy, exit strategy to this whole war, and we keep dumping. We will be at close to $250 billion if this thing goes through, and we just keep giving them. Russia has already been degraded, so that has been accomplished. It's time to end this war, and President Trump already said, I could end this war in a day, and you know what? I think he could. Maybe a day might be in a, a bit of an exaggeration, a slightly bit of an exaggeration, but I, within a week or two, he could end this war. Simply tell Zelensky you're not getting one dime until you have an off-ramp on this war. This war needs to end. And I would call Putin and say, hey, dude, you've lost 300,000 troops. I think you probably had enough. And this war would be over. There would be some treaty. I, it, let's face it, it's about as the war is going where the war is where it's going to go. There is no, nothing is going to happen here. All the fighting that's happening is basically for nothing. People are absolutely dying for nothing. And it's because that little fart Zelensky just wants to get rich. I mean, the guy's worth a couple billion by now, I'm sure. Uh, the entire Ukraine is an oligarchy. Don't listen to this crap about Ukraine being a democracy. It's not. It's an oligarchy. And I'm sure a lot of his buddies got rich. And then we still got to worry about rebuilding because I'm sure the United States is going to end up rebuilding them. I mean, the United States has gone out of their way to hold their economy up. So this whole Ukraine war thing has to end now. It's, it's, it's been two years. It's time, it's time to finish it. Nobody's going to win any more than they have. And they're just going to have to come up with a deal. And the, I, the only way you can do that is tell that little wet fart that, you know what, um, where's your off-ramp? You're not going to win the war. Let's end this now. And if you can't end it, you're going to end it without United States support. I mean, they've degraded the militaries. We talk about Russia being degraded. The U.S. military, the militaries in Europe, Germany, Norway, they've all been degraded. Apparently, Germany has enough ammunition for about two days of war. That's how degraded they are. China is licking their freaking lips right now. As a matter of fact, the only reason I think they're not going, I don't even know why they're not going into Taiwan right now. This would be the perfect time to go into Taiwan. But for some reason, they're not. So, yeah, this, so there he is, that little asshole, begging for money again, blaming Republicans, of course, even though... All Joe Biden has to do is say, yeah, we'll give $4 billion to more Border Patrol, more judges, more security. That's all he has to say. And then they'll all sign it. I still don't, I wouldn't sign the bill. I would not 
I would not support this bill. And the reason I wouldn't support this bill is if you guys want to do this, it's separate bills. Why do we have one bill that's about $150 billion and it's all assigned everything? Maybe I don't want to support border security. And I don't want to support that much to Ukraine. Why can't you guys make up a bill, four different bills in that case, or five different bills in that case? And let's vote on each bill individually. It's corruption. It's pure. It's pure and utter corruption. And of course, there's some bad news. Inflation prices rose up 3.1%. Again, inflation is just not going anywhere. Most of the reason it's gone down is because gas prices have gone down, which isn't a shock. Gas prices went down because the summer is over. Uh, I am wondering if gas prices are going to go up now that it's Christmas. That usually raises gas prices. So they rose again 3.1 they rose again 3.1%. That's down from 3.2% last month. This is still not good. That means they've gone up another 3.1% this year. So again, if you look at we had it at 5%, we had it at 9% and now we have it at a 3% you're looking at a 15 to 20% raise in everything. So again, what they're trying to, what the Biden administration is trying to say now, oh, inflation is down. Look, it was at 9%. Well, yeah, but now it's up 12% because if you add nine plus three, that's 12%. And that's not even including the 5% it was the first year. So nothing is going well for the Biden administration here. Um, there is an expectation unemployment is going to go up. Uh, the Fed is going to rake the height, rate, uh, hike the rates. That That's going to go up again. Uh, for the first time in something like 20, 30 years, it is technically more expensive to buy a house now than it is to rent. I, I find that extremely unnerving. That came out of the um, Wall Street Journal this weekend that the average apartment is about $2,200. And that's throughout the country. That's not California. That's throughout the country that the average apartment is $2,200. And that um, now to buy a, to pay a mortgage on a house, not even including property taxes, it's $3,000 with the interest rates the way they are. So things are going really badly in the country as far as the economy goes. Uh, Hasbro has just announced right before Christmas, Merry Christmas, that they're going to be laying off 25% of their workforce. So we are already seeing that unemployment is going to be going up. It is really stagnant right now. Uh, I know we talked about last week, unemployment went, I think it stayed stagnant. I don't think it went, I can't remember exactly, but 199,000 jobs, new jobs were done. Well, most of those jobs were government jobs and hotel jobs. And that's basically government jobs because the government keeps getting bigger. And hotel hospitality jobs went up because it was the holidays. So these are going to go right back down. And all that temporary employment is going to be a big deal. Now, again, last month's, this month's unemployment numbers are going to be a big thing. If last this month's unemployment numbers remain stagnant, you know, 150, 200,000 jobs were created. That's not a good thing because 
this is temporary employment time. And if they if the unemployment did not go down this month, which I expect it probably will go down a little bit, um, that's going to be really bad news for Joe Biden because the only way unemployment can go is up. So we'll have to see. Next month is going to be a very, very interesting month. Okay, so um, let's go to our first story here. I, I read this story last week and I just, I couldn't believe it because I thought, is this really a surprise? Well, I mean, I, why is this even being published? Well, it's being published because obviously it's 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 uh, homophobia and things like this. So this is from the SciPost.org. And by the way, uh, I if you go to Dumbass Talking Politics, the study is actually there. So you, you can read the study. So, in heterosexual men, pictures of rotting flesh, maggots, and spoiled food induce the same psychological stress response as pictures of two men kissing each other. That is the surprising finding that was recently published in peer-reviewed scientific journal Psychology and Sexuality. Now, I gotta be honest with you, why was this surprising? A lot of men see two men kissing, it's gross. And they also think what those two men do in the bedroom, it's gross. Men do not, are not turned on by other men. Continuing with the article, quote, We originally were interested in understanding the health effects of same-sex versus mixed-sex public displays of affection for the couples in the relationship, explained the study's corresponding author, Karen L. Blair of St. Francis Xavier University. You notice all these people that are doing the studies are women? about gay men. Continuing, quote, however, one of the factors likely to influence how individuals experience PDAs is the reaction that other people have to witnessing PDAs. Consequently, we decided to begin the research by examining whether or not heterosexuals have negative responses to witnessing same-sex PDAs. In particular, we began examining homosexual, heterosexual male responses to male same-sex public displays of infections. Infe- affection. Participants watched a series of slideshows, male couples kissing, male couples holding hands, mixed-sex couples kissing, mixed-sex couples holding hands, boring images, paperclips, and disgusting images, maggots. In between slideshows, we asked participants questions about their responses to the photos, not yet published, and we also collected saliva sample, samples in order to assess salivary alpha amaze in response to the slideshow, the current paper. So it found that heterosexual men had a very high levels of digestive enzyme when they saw two men kissing, and they were disgusted. Now, you might hear this and you might say to yourself, okay, there, there is really one reason this is happening is because man-on-man relationships goes against our nature and we see it and it disgusts us. Just like seeing maggots eating food that we're supposed to consume disgusts us, so does something as unnatural as two men making out or doing whatever. Maggots in food is unnatural for our food because we look at that food and we would normally want it, but when we see maggots, that's unnatural for us. 
and it makes it disgusts us. Two men getting together is unnatural. It's disgusting to us, and we have a physical abhorrence to it. That's how you would see this naturally. Okay, this should be, but that's not what they saw. Later in the article, it said, previous research has found a strong link between sexual prejudice and emotion of disgust. For instance, the 2008 study found that individuals who are more easily disgusted are also more likely to make unfavorable moral judgments about gay people. Quote, what is most important to note is that the response did not differ as a function of self-reported levels of prejudice or self-reported levels of aggression towards gay men. In other words, it was not our highly prejudiced individuals who are experiencing a heightened psychological, physiological response to the images of same-sex couples kissing. It was everyone in the sample, even those with very low levels of prejudice. The finding provides more evidence that the so-called, quote, gay panic, end quote, defense, the assertion that a person's sexual orientation can trigger a crime against them, is bunk. The defense was used by the two men who beat, tortured, and murdered gay student Matthew Shepard in 1998. Okay, Matthew Shepard's story is a completely different thing. Okay, I, I don't know why they keep bringing up Matthew Shepard. But instead of seeing this as a natural, and we'll get to Matthew Shepard in a second, but instead of seeing this as a natural response of men who are disgusted with homosexuality because it's unnatural, they're already applying morality, which, by the way, science does not apply morality. Now, the good news is they're saying that Oh, well, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to go out and beat the crap out of people. It's just a natural, it just, they're just responding. They don't say it's a natural response to something that is unnatural. That's, they don't say that. But they're saying that men who are disgusted with gay men kissing are not going to go kill them. Now, Matthew Shepard was an interesting case because they keep pointing this. Um, essentially, what they tried to do is they, they tried, Matthew Shepard was a gay guy. And they tried to make this out that he was killed because he was gay and he hit on somebody and that somebody took it bad and he was gay. And that's not what happened. What essentially happened in that case was some guy was really wasted. Two guys were really wasted and they wanted to rob. Uh, they wanted to rob Shepard and they beat the crap out of him and they tied him to a post and he died. Now, it, it, there was absolutely no evidence that it, they attacked him because he was gay. And then you can compound that with the guys who actually beat the crap out of Shepard and left him to die. They went back into town and got arrested for assaulting another person. So this was not a attack of a gay man. But they keep making that out as this was homophobia, blah, blah, blah. And it, it had nothing to, to do with homophobia. It had to do with the fact that they were robbing this guy. So I, I, I'm so tired of hearing about all these, you know, the gay student, Matthew Shepard, blah, blah. He died. And then there was another case. I can't remember the guy's name, but he ended up being a drug dealer. And he was, he was gay and he was murdered by his gay lover. And they said that was homophobia. So it was it just, these things are so stupid. But you ever wonder why your, your, a family member died of cancer and there's no cure for cancer? It's because there's stupid studies like this. 
And this is a completely unscientific study. You can tell. I mean, the conclusions are unscientific. The conclusions are trying to come up with a reason for morality. Eh, it's not a thing. Okay. Well, we haven't done one of these in a really long time. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist in 2020. Yep, we haven't done this. So we, we need to get here. Here's one. And again, this is one of those things where everyone is just looking for something that's racist. And this story is most definitely nothing to do with racism. But hell, we got to bring it up. And it comes from a a magazine called Pride Magazine, which right off the bat, you can tell it's going to be a far left wing magazine. So let's read this story. A team of black mountain climbers is attempting to climb Mount Everest to tackle what one member described as the sport's colonial history, of course. The world's highest peak has been conquered more than 10,000 times since Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzig, Norway gay, scaled it first in 1953. Only a few successful climbers have been black, however. A team of nine aimed to add their name to the list in May. Rosemary Saul, 28, a teacher from Seattle, is among those joining the Full Circle Everest Expedition. She said that a team of black climbers conquering the mountain would help change the narrative. What narrative? Has anyone sat back and said there are no black climbers? I have read several books about climbing in Mount Everest. No one has mentioned the race of any of the climbers. As a matter of fact, I would be hard-pressed to believe I have... I that there were no black climbers. I would be hard-pressed to believe that because no one talks about the race of the climbers. A team of nine aimed to add... Okay, here we go. Uh, I quote, I hear black people don't do that all the time when I talk about my climbing, she told the Washington Post. That only perpetuates stereotypes. It's important to change the narrative, end quote. Okay, um... Can you name things that never have been done? Somebody saying black people never do that is not something that's ever been said. By the way, I just want to point out, um, I don't know where this story's coming from. It doesn't really piss on, I, I don't know where colonialism comes from. No one's colonized Mount Everest. People climb it and then they leave. Um, Mount Everest isn't even in a Western civilization society. It's in Nepal, which is all people of color. Nobody in Nepal, I have not read anything in Nepal about black people not being allowed to get permits to climb Mount Everest. I'm not exactly sure where the story is trying to go here. The first American to clown climb Mount Everest was Jim Whitaker in 1963, two years before Lyndon Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act into law prohibiting racial discrimination at the polls. How, how is that even related? How is any of this related? How do you actually hook together the first American to climb Mount Everest and the Voting Voting Rights Act of 1963 or 1965. How do those work together? 
Saul added, quote, It's hugely significant to contribute to representation in these outdoors. There's been an intentional lack of access for black people. Who's preventing them from climbing Mount Everest? Who has ever prevented them? They just said, they just said, the first two people that climbed Mount Everest, one of them was Tenzig Norway. He's a freaking Asian guy. He's as dark as a black person. Look at his picture. Who prevented black people from climbing a mountain? If anything, the question should be, why do you black people want to be known for climbing Everest? I don't know why anyone would want to climb Everest and put their lives at risk to climb Mount Everest. Uh, this Again, this is, this is what people are publishing because they don't have anything to say that ra- is racist anymore. You can't even call the cops racist. Everyone's just like, yeah, whatever. You can't say you can't even say sidewalks are racist anymore because people are just like whatever. This is what's happening. We got to come up with things. We got to come up with a mountain in a country that is predominantly um black, uh, predominantly people of color has nothing to do with western civilization and scream racism. White civilization, white people White people don't issue the permits in Nepal. It, it just It's just such a stupid story. I had to bring it up. Speaking of race, since we'll, we're right there, um, a potential hate crime hoax was exposed before it happened. According to the Daily Wire, a tourist stopped a 26-year-old Navy, U.S. Navy veteran this week from burning down the birth home of civil rights icon Martin Luther King Jr. Lanesha Shatrice Henderson, quote, was detained by bystanders at the historic home on Auburn Avenue and taken into custody Thursday night, the Atlanta Constitution Atlanta Journal Constitution reported. Unlike many historical and like many national monuments, there is no gate restricting access to the civil rights leader's home, which attracts more than 700 visitors from around the world annually. The action saved an important part of American history, Atlanta Chief Darren Scheibram told reporters at the scene. A man who came, became suspicious of Henderson asked her what she was doing after she saw after he saw her throw a liquid in front of, on the front porch of the residence. Once he smelled the gasoline and realized that she was allegedly what she was allegedly doing, he grabbed her car keys, which she left in the grass, to prevent her from leaving. The man then blocked her from getting back to the porch when she returned with a lighter. Okay, so this is going to be one that, if that house had actually caught fire and burned down, and no one had witnessed this, this person obviously probably has mental problems. I prefer to just put it on the easier stupidity over malice. I think she probably had mental problems. She want went out there to burn it, burn it down, maybe because of something that triggered her. I have no idea. But but the reality is, if this had not been witnessed, if this had been done in the middle of the night and it burned down, you'd be hearing nothing about white supremacy right off the bat. This was a hate crime hoax prevented before it happened. 
I, I, and I'm telling you, if it had burned, we'd be hearing it on CNN. We'd be hearing it, and then there, and then when the gal would be caught, it'd just be forgotten. And found out she was black, it would have just been forgotten. But luckily, and by the way, the guy who prevented her was white. So go figure that. Okay, I know this next story. I, I love this next story because. I love it when leftism, leftists can't find a landing area. When one leftist ideology and another leftist ideology conflict and suddenly they don't know what to do. And this is what's happening in New Jersey. On Tuesday, Illinois governor, this is from the Post Millennial. On Tuesday, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker announced that he is shutting down, or I'm sorry, Illinois, uh, shutting down Chicago's planned $65 million camp to house illegal immigrants near Brighton Park after an Environmental Protection Agency report showed toxic chemicals on the property. According to NBC, the APA announced an 800-page report that showed the site set to house over 2,000 immigrants had mercury, arsenic, lead, cyanide, pesticides, and PCBs on the site. In a statement, in a statement, Pritzker's office said the EPA standard on sampling and remediation are clear and known to the city. Those are not the standards the city chose to use, it continued. The city did not engage with IEPA or state before releasing the report, and when it did release the report, was unable to explain the lesser standards they did choose to use and how they arrived at those standards. But while the city might be comfortable placing asylum seekers on the site where toxins are present, without a full understanding of whether it is safe, the state is not. The site will not be moved forward as the shelter of the state involved. That's the statement. Now, mind you, I do want to point out that people have been complaining. Citizens have been complaining about this site for years. There's actually a lawsuit against the city because of the toxins they expected were on this site. And nobody, everyone was going to ignore it. But now illegal aliens might get sick. And suddenly, we need to stop it. This just shows the double... And by the way, illegal aliens, by the way, they're getting kind of tired of... uh, dealing with the crap the illegal aliens are they're getting tired of the crap they're dealing with in chicago in new york they want to go back what does that tell you speaking of illegal aliens uh here's another big shock from the post-millennial after meeting with congressional congressional leaders and members of the biden administration thursday new york city mayor eric adams said He is not optimistic about getting any help from the federal government to deal with the illegal immigration crisis his city is dealing with. Well, F him. I I don't care. Good. I hope you have nothing but problems. You guys invited this. You made yourself sanctuary city. Eric Adams, who, by the way, has been the most vocal Democrat against Joe Biden. As a matter of fact, the DOJ is investigating Eric Adams right now because he's been a vocal Democrat. He's been a vocal, been so vocal against the Biden administration on this whole immigration thing. Uh, This guy was pro-sanctuary city. He was yelling at, um, he was yelling at 
Governor Governor Abbott in Texas for the longest time before sending all the illegals over to New York because that's where they wanted to go. And then, oh, it's all Abbott and Abbott. And Abbott was like, I sent you a lousy 20,000 illegal aliens. I get that in two days. I get that in a week. What are you talking about? And now these Democrats can't handle it. And the Republicans in the Republican states like Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, they don't care. They're just sending them over. And now they can't deal with it and they're not getting any help from anybody. Biden administration is completely ignoring this entire issue. Remember, I told you, between nine and 14,000 people are crossing a day right now. The border fence looks like a line at Arby's, a line at In-N-Out Burger. It is that long. People just waiting to get in. And they're not even expecting to get kicked out. They're not being turned away. They're being taken in and sent back. Now, the uh, reported today, the Biden administration apparently is thinking of, of, of holding people now because it is getting, this is looking really bad for Biden. Biden is now taking it in teeth in the polls. He's losing the Trump in every major poll. And it looks like he finally is getting the hint. Now he's talking about actually holding the illegal aliens until the trial dates. That's going to be a problem for him on the left. Because what's going to happen? Kids are going to be put in cages again. Parents are going to be sent outside the country and you got to put those kids somewhere. They're either going to be put in the cages with their kids or they're going, or the parents are going to be sent back and the kids are going to be separated from their parents and kept alone in cages. So right off the bat, Joe Biden is just going right back to the way it was before. He has no solution. He has no, he has absolutely no, uh, no idea of going out and changing this and fixing this because there is one way to fix this whole thing. How about just closing the border? Nope. They won't do that. I wonder why. Yes, I know. I know. I know. The great replacement theory is racist. This is the great replacement theory. Okay. This, you know, here, here's, here's a, this is an opinion piece from the Washington Post. When I read this thing, I was amazed. It's by Claire Finkelstein. And basically, it's a response on what campuses need to do in order to sol- solve the anti-Semitism problem. And what she suggests is get rid of free speech. That'll solve the anti-Semitism problem. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe, I read this thing and I was like, what? So in other words, free speech, which by the way, there's no free speech on campus. If people walked around campus saying that men can be women, they will be kicked out of campus. They will ki- be kicked out of school. If people walk around supporting Trump, they will be kicked out of school. If they're pro- anti-abortion, they'll be kicked out of school. There's no free speech on campus. Okay. What they mean by restricting speech is restricting speech by conservatives. So this was an amazing thing. So basically, her side says things that are terrible. So we should restrict free speech, which is what her side wants to do. Meanwhile, my side doesn't think it's right that you scream for the death of Jews. 
I think that's speech that maybe should be should be uh, maybe curbed down a little bit. And but free speech shouldn't be eliminated. Just stop saying you want genocide. No, she's saying that, oh, because we are saying such terrible things, we need to restrict free speech. Let's read this article a little bit. I don't know how much we're going to get through. So here she is, um, Claire Finkelstein. She's a professor of law and philosophy at the University of Pennsylvania, which means she's a career useful list person. The testimony of three university presidents before the House committee, committee last week provoked outrage after they suggested that calls for their campuses for Jewish genocide might not have violated the school's free speech policies. One of them, Liz McGill, was forced to step down on Saturday as the president of the University of Pennsylvania, where I am a faculty member. But their statement statements shouldn't have come as a surprise. Congress could have assembled two dozen university presidents and likely would have received the same answer from them. Yes, and those two dozen should all be fired. This is a systemic problem within the university system, is that people are teaching this crap. And again, why? Not because they hate Israel so much, is that Israel is a representative of Western civilization, and these teachers hate Western civilization. She's right. They sh- Congress should have put all 12, 12 dozen, they should have sticked out there and fired them all. This is because the value of free speech has been elevated to near-sacred level on university campus. What in the F is she talking about? If I misgender someone or you dead-name someone on a university campus, I can pretty much guarantee I'm suspended. There is no free speech on campus. That is just a BS, I'm going to say it, a bullshit lie. As a result, universities have had to tolerate hate speech even hate speech calling for the violence against ethnic or religious minorities. With a dramatic rise in anti-Semitism, we are discovering that this is a mistake. Anti-Semitism and other forms of hate cannot be fought on a university campus without restricting poisonous speech that target Jews and other minorities. I just gotta, I'm just curious, and this is where she's wrong. Um, What other minorities? That's my question. What other minorities? Can she come up with one example of hate speech against black people, Hispanic people? Can she tar- can she show any? The answer is no, she can't because there is none. The targeted of uh, target of hate speech is white people, Jews, Asians. It is not black people, Hispanics, American Indians, it, it, no, the target is always towards one group, white people, Jews, which are considered white people, Asians, which are considered white people, sometimes Hispanics, which are considered white people. So I want to hear exactly what other hate speech against minorities is, there's no, there's no hate speech against, against Muslims. That's not a thing. They say there is. They say there's so much hate speeding. No, there isn't. 8% of the uh, hate crimes in the country in the United States are against Muslims. 50% of the hate crimes are against Jews. There is no anti-Islamic hate speech going on in the world. 
Continuing, university presidents are resisting this conclusion. Rather than confront the conflict between commitment to free speech, which they don't have, and the commitment to eliminating hospital and the hostile environment facing Jewish students on campus, many simply affirm the commitment to both or, by time, to setting up task force studies to study the problem. First off, um, Jews aren't just facing hostile work. I mean, these people are calling for the death of Jews. They're calling for that. People are being assaulted in these colleges just because they're Jews. A female teacher, Jewish, who supported Israel, was beaten up last week. Another teacher last week who was Jewish and supported Israel was stuck in her classroom for two hours because people were calling for her, violence against her. They, it's not just we're calling for genocide, which is bad enough. They're being assaulted. Or, uh, some have attempted to split the difference by saying they are institutionally committed to free speech, but personally offended by anti-Semitism. That's bullshit. They're not offended by anti-Semitism. They, they're offended that people are offended. That's what the problem is. They're caught, is basically what it is. This... This shit has been going on colleges since I was in college back in the 90s. You used to see this anti-white Jew crap at UCLA all the time. You saw it at Cal State Northridge. I went to UCLA and Northridge. You saw them on both campuses. This is this is BS that this is something new. They've been doing this for years. And the one problem they always have is when the presidents actually get caught. Countering speech with more countering speech with more speech might just be mean adding to the hateful rhetoric on campus and would not solve the problem. And university presidents can set up all the task forces, study groups and educational modules they like. But what kind of educational effort could possibly bring together warring groups that are busy calling for one another's violent demise? I'm sorry, I'm missing something. Who's calling for the violent demise of Palestinians? Who's calling for the violent demise of Islamists? Who's calling for the violent demise of blacks? I don't recall anyone calling for the violent demise of blacks, Islamists, or Palestinians. She's going to have to explain that to me. I do call for the... I do hear calls on college campuses for the eradications of whites, the eradication of Muslims, the eradication of Jews, the eradication of Asians. I do hear that. Hell, I could go to UCLA and film it. It's probably happening today. It happens every day at UCLA. It seems like every week they've closed uh, Murphy Hall for some reason or another. Continuing, in a video message released a day after her testimony, McGill issued an apology in which she suggested that her statements, while legally correct, were insensitive because she was not focused on the fact that a call for genocide is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can per perpetrate. By the way, it's not... Here's something else we need to... It's not that she supports genocide of Jews. It's that she can't run her college. 
I think we're really missing the point of this whole thing. These people can't control their college. They're incompetent. They shouldn't be in their positions because they're incompetent. And by the way, free speech isn't going to change that. Getting rid of free speech isn't going to get rid of that. It's just going to make things worse. Okay, continuing. First, Penn, like Harvard and MIT, is a private institution. And as such, it is is not bound by the First Amendment. In my experience, Penn has never actually followed the First Amendment, even to a close approximation. The same goes for amendments of the other amendments of the U.S. Constitution. Penn also does not follow the Second Amendment. It, if it did, our campus would be a war zone, especially given the apparent embrace of hate speech. Yeah, they'd be killing all those whites, Asians, and Jews real quick. Second, even if public universities are bound by the First Amendment, are not helpless in the face of hate speech. They do not have to stand idly by and wait for such speech to, speech to turn into conduct. Agree. Public institutions can restrict the time and place and manner of demonstrations. They can restrict speech that incites violence and involves threats of violence against specific individuals that involve the target of harassment of members of the community. Now, on paper, I agree with this. I personally think free speech doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. Okay, I agree. You can control on your campuses, and that includes the private campuses. You can control when and where they hold uh, demonstrations. This is not a, a, a college campus is an institution. You can have those standards. Here's the problem. These colleges do not allow multiple opinions. They do not allow multiple views. They do not support demonstrations on both sides. They don't. They never have. Ben Shapiro cannot go to Harvard University and speak. He will be kicked off the campus. He's been kicked off dozens of campuses. Everyone from the Daily Wire has been kicked off. Everyone from Yaf has to fight every time Yaf has an argument about about wanting to have a speaker. The first thing that ends up happening, they have to fight the student body and they have to fight the the administration. There is no free speech on campus on one side. What they're what they got caught on here, and then I'll I'll conclude. I'm not going to get through the entire. It's no reason. There's not much left. What they are having a problem with is not, oh, that's great. In Los Angeles, a bunch of idiot protesters have decided to shut down the 101 freeway. Awesome. I don't know why they just don't pick these guys up, drag them by the hair and just beat the crap out of them. Anyway, um, what what the problem these people are having right now is not free speech. The problem they're having is they got caught. They got caught with these students who were trained to do this, by the way. They got caught screaming for infidata, screaming for the death of the Jews, screaming for genocide. It's ugly. And they know it's ugly. And they're beginning to lose donors because of it. So we got to eliminate all free speech, which defeats the purpose of going. You might as well not even go to a college. Okay. Well, you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is God bless you all. This is Gene. You listen to Dumbasses Talking Politics.